It's Friday. Not that long. Come on. Stay with me. Don't go to the pub just yet. You go to the pub in 40 minutes. I want, I want to tell you guys. It's fine. CPDs, get that off. Weekend's coming. Oh, that. I've got a super cool life stream special. 20 seconds. Hello everyone and welcome to this live stream special on a Friday. I promise I won't keep you too long before you go to the pub, before you finish for the day. However, while I've got you and you're killing a little bit of time, we might learn something today because I have an awesome guest from the industry who I know before. She's been an architectural technician, is an architectural technician, BIM expert, extraordinaire and career consultant. So that's the whole point about this is to get people on who have done the job, who can give you advice with you in your career. So on that note, can I welcome to the stage the fantastic Vanessa Casabon? Vanessa. Woo! Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much, Vanessa, for being here. Now, while I know you, some people in the live stream might not have met you yet. So maybe you can just, first of all, Tell us a little bit about who you are and your background, first of all. Yeah, I studied architectural technology, moved into architectural technicians, worked in the environment of BIM, moved into recruitment. Um, and I also had that time when COVID threw us all off and uh, I learned some skills in coaching. So I did that as a profession. And so now I'm a career strategist. So I support and help others in their careers, building up on their strengths, helping them pivot themselves in terms of their changing or just develop themselves so they can explore and, what's the word, get to the next step in their careers. So that's what I do at this time. And it all started from me just working in architecture. Brilliant. I appreciate you being here. You're in the right place because we both, we guess me and you both are, we've gone through the industry a little bit because I studied architecture and you studied architectural technology then. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Tell me about that then. Just wind me back to the clocks. So what yeah, happened? So architectural technology is really fantastic because it gives you the information concerning the construction, the contract law, facilitating management, the science of the building. It gives you all the kinds of backbones of the skeleton. Um, so it's not just about designing. And there's two kinds of career paths you can really take. One would be a chartered architectural technologist. And the other one, you can continue as an architectural technician and build on those skills and become a profession in that area or that niche. And some people do their niche in passive housing. Some people do their niches in different areas of sustainability. So that's the kind of two routes that it kind of bridges. And we support architects. Brilliant. I tell you what, my technical drawings were questionable. <laughs> So I'm sure you can still teach. Yeah, that's all, Steve. <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, yeah, you don't want to look at them. So I'm curious, Vanessa, when was the idea in your head? So you must have been, when did you think, do you know what, I'm going to study architectural technology. Wind me back the clock. What happened? To be honest with you, it started with a conversation with my father. He was just telling me I've got to do a job. And I was like, yeah, I want to do something arty. And he was like, mm -mm, that, <clears throat> you know, that's not going to work with me. So I spun the work. He said to me actually to be a lawyer, I was supposed to be a barrister. And I compromised with him and I did work experience there. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I fitted in very well. And I took a survey with all the barristers and they said, if they had to do their life all over again, they wouldn't be a barrister. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing that. So I spun the word architect to my dad. And to this day, he still thinks I'm more of an architect than anything or was more of an architect than anything. But it was a conversation with my dad. And so that was an influence. He was influential in my career path. And so that's what led me into architectural technology. So, yeah, in short, yeah. I love it. I, me too. I, the, there was the romantic idea of designing buildings. And I was like, I have to do that. 
And so I as well. So I went into architecture as well. Yeah. Now I enjoyed the course. I learned a lot. However, when I went into the industry, I still enjoyed certain parts of it. But for me, Vanessa, I don't know about you. However, it was very different. It felt for me than what I was studying before. The transition was quite a bit of an initial shock to my system, yeah. if I'm being very honest with you. What was your experience? Did you fit right in? Or did you also have a little bit of that shock feeling? I had a bit of that shock feeling as well. And I think looking back, one of the reasons behind that was because um, I didn't have an understanding of the process of the business as itself in an architectural setting. I didn't understand different components and the parts in which bring a whole project together. And so feel a bit like, oh my gosh, how do I connect and collaborate with these other professionals? Yeah, I felt a little bit, thrown in a deep end and then obviously the understanding of the projects and so you know you're always going to be learning so you do get that kind of experience so I felt quite the same yeah yeah it's it's quite an eye-opener now there is something else that because over the years we've spoken a few times and the first time I was ever aware of you Vanessa was not just because of your architectural technology skills but your BIM skills yeah. now I have got a confession live on the air so I have used Revit and I had a beginner's course in it, but I haven't used Revit since 2015. Now you have used it much more. So I would love to hear your journey as well on, on that front. When you started picking up Revit, when it became important to you using BIM and how that got involved in your career. Yeah. Okay. I qualified, I finished my degree as architecture technologist and in actual fact, my director, the course director, felt that my modeling was brilliant and I actually became a lecturer. So I was teaching grown-ups <laughs> how to use software. It was crazy. And through that, I learned that it was important as I then developed my work experience in the field. It really is important to understand the fundamentals of that software, understanding the components and really getting strong experience, strong knowledge of that software. Because I personally have made mistakes. I've had a I'm not going to lie to you, I can admit, I've had a job where I've really butched it up thinking I knew how to use Revit and yeah. it turned out really bad and I lost out on a job for that. So Ooh. I would always advise people to continuously learn and practice because the software is always upgrading and it's for you to be able to be competent enough to be able to deliver the construction drawings in a way in which everyone can understand that information and obviously present it in a good quality. So always learn so you know you should have just continued practicing Steve <laughs> I need to maybe I can pick it up from 2014 to 2023 <laughs> but I, I love what you said because that's really half about careers isn't it you make mistakes all the time even as yeah. in in terms of careers or even in my business now I'm making mistakes all the time I made a clang in this morning okay I'm not going to do that again I think we got to move on and I think that when you're a bit earlier in your career, it's easy to take mistakes to heart. You think you're a failure. You think you're rubbish. I'm sure when you crashed that BIM model or whatever at the time, you were yeah. extremely upset with yourself. However, it's picking yourself up and moving on that I think is important. Tell me about one or two other jobs. I'm sure you didn't crash all the yeah, BIM models so then, right? I, I just wanted to add on that, to be honest, Steve, because part Please. of the BIM process is to pick up on errors, is to highlight bits where you're not so skilled. And so therefore, one advice is if you're in that environment, if there's something you don't know really, definitely speak to the BIM manager or your project manager, whoever's leading that project to say, okay, I might need to take a few courses or short courses just to make sure I'm fully aware and understand the process of delivering this particular document. So I would always advise to do that because like I've said, I've had a butcher before. And also I would say as a second point is, depending where you are in your career, there's some practices which are like architecture and BIM, and then there's some that are in architecture, interior design, or architecture and engineering. So really be sure about the business yeah. um, the practice that you want to work for. Um, if you're developing yourself and going into that direction, that they really high or established, because I've been in practices where it's predominantly BIM and projects weren't necessarily exciting with design, but once I was there, after my mistakes, there was no going back. I, I knew what to do, how to operate the software and how to collaborate with my other peers and how to manage daily really well and more effectively. So sometimes it's to do with speaking out 
and letting you know your staff know that actually I might need to practice or learn a bit more or yeah. do that on the side or and definitely when you're moving forward to think about if that's the direction you want to go making sure this practice is well established in the environment of BIM and they can support you in your development because some of them have high standards now it's a lot of them have integrated BIM projects wow that's really useful and you're right being a BIM coordinator or manager at a developer or a multidisciplinary consultancy is going to be very different than yeah. an architecture practice. And you're right, even interior design, I'm not too, I, some, a lot of interior design companies are still using Vectorworks compared to architects. Yeah. So it's, it's a different world. Listen, I still want to talk a little more about your career, but you raise a really interesting point. And just before I ask you one question, we've got a few comments that have come in. Michael says, good luck. Oh, I'm not sure why. Hopefully we don't need, yeah, good, good luck. I think we're still alive. Good so luck the luck's going. <laughs> in your exactly. career. <laughs> exactly. Thank We've got you. a few hellos come in and Lola says, thank you for sharing your story about making a mistake. If anyone else has a question yeah. in the audience for Vanessa, please do put it in. As long as it's PG-13 and all that stuff, I don't <laughs> want to get kicked off LinkedIn. Then, we, then we'll bring it up. But we're both open books. Vanessa's career is very interesting. So maybe Vanessa, what I was going to ask you is because, okay, studying architectural technology or I yeah. me studying architecture, that's yeah. a, a clear career trajectory at the start. Do that. And now we're seeing one or two, maybe masters in building information modeling BIM courses. However, going a career into BIM can be quite fuzzy, like you mentioned, and there's different avenues to do yeah. it. Because there isn't such a thing as here's a degree in being a BIM coordinator per se. So what's your insight and thoughts on if someone's interested in going into that? How do they begin? Or do you have any tips on how to go along the yeah. BIM journey? So it's, the reason why the situation is that is ultimately because we had the RIBA plan, we still got that. The BIM has been a process which we've put, like we had the bread and the butter's kind of gone on top and melted inside. And now it's part of, the process in our projects and so that's why it's a bit fuzzy at the moment and we've not necessarily got an itemized degree for it so yeah. i would say if you're open to starting or implementing bim i would first inquire about first of all your background so you could be an engineering which yeah. is fantastic as well as in architecture so if you're in the ai aec industry or the built yeah. environment generally speaking I think you've got a good prospect from there on the jump. Autodesk, they have a Autodesk certified professional certification. Okay. And a lot of practices now, they use Revit, but there's also other softwares, but that is the leading uh, software in terms of managing, supporting and helping the model, creating models to work in BIM. So that could be one avenue. So I would figure out making sure that your software knowledge and experience is on point. And then also I would look into the types of practices which have BIM centers or hubs, or they're really big on technology, VR. Honestly, mm. a little nugget there, take it. If you're in the industry and thinking further ahead in the future, VR is going to be in high demand. A lot of architectures now are able to sell the experience to their clients and stakeholders through the virtual reality. If you're able to uh, develop that skill, that would be great. But for the foundation in terms of starting, BIM technician is the position I would go for. And I would connect with projects or practices that have implemented BIM in their projects. Those are the kinds of practices I would go into. And again, develop your software, that's huge. Also do some external learning as well. You've got other platforms. I don't know. I'm not sponsored, so I don't know if I should mention those. <laughs> you can say a platform you like. Don't worry. You I'll send the bill after. It's okay. Autodesk have their own resources as well. They have their own yeah. resources for learning, and they're leading. You've got LinkedIn, Udemy, all those other courses where that can support you in the knowledge of understanding the BIM processes and understand the integration of how important it is to have common data and sharing that information so that errors can be worked out sooner than later. So yeah. Do you think that's sufficient, Steve? Yeah, I think that's a really, I think yeah. that's a really good point. And you're doing, you're doing really well on your first live stream, even with me teasing you. So don't worry, you. You, you're doing well. <laughs> Jordan was actually one of the 
one of the most listened to episodes. He joined me on the podcast earlier this year, and he also says, I would highly recommend also looking into understanding a CDE, which I think means common data yeah. yeah. environment. Am I right? There we go. Oh, and we've got another one. Where Michael says, learn ACC at Autodesk.com is Autodesk ACC CDF CDE tutorials. My goodness, I got there in the end. Sorry, guys, it's Friday. It's been a long week, but the the link is there as well. All free resources, Michael says. Michael also did a podcast, and he was one of the most popular podcasts that we released last year. My goodness, all the Illuminati is showing up in terms of them. I'm really impressed. Makes sense. Now, Vanessa, what I was going to talk about as well, you've also seen, have you, and give me a flavor of this, but have you worked in like more traditional architecture practices towards BIM consultancies as well? Can you give people the vibe of how the different vibes are in these different companies and how important it is maybe for people to find the right fit, even if it's not right? Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately within the BIM process, you have, First, the client, the stakeholder, the people that's going to invest their money in the project, they have their kind of process of the viability and liaison with the architect and the key people who are going to support bringing this into fruition. So when you understand the whole process of start to finish of a project, then you get to learn about what it is that you do, why you're important, what your aims and how work of the BIM manager so there's a few positions, so there's BIM manager, BIM coordinator, BIM technician, and also information manager. When you understand the structure and how something becomes from start to the end, that is very helpful. Now, we have a few sectors. So we have the architectural, which is traditional rebar plan, and they've like implemented BIM in their processes. You have design and build, which is more like a turnkey experience. So it's just one contract where I'm a client, and then a design and build practice literally picks the carpenter, picks the sculpture, picks all of the professionals and they manage that. And they are slowly moving into BIM. There's there's some there's two leading practices that are huge with BIM with that, but that's another scope or another sector. Yeah. And then you've got the BIM consultancy, the ones that deal with the information management, which supports some of the traditional architectural practices and kind of manages um, and looks over their process to ensure that the common data, the way they pass on information is correct, the standards are right, and they help and ensure that everyone stays in the framework of the, the BIM execution plans and, and so on. And so there's three areas. You also got the contractors. They become more later in the stage only because they're dealing with ensuring that what to the plan is being constructed. It's for you to understand really more about your strengths. So I've all, I always say start with, when you studied architectural technology, you have those modules. I have people who lead more to facilitate, facilitate manager. So they went into estate, real estate, because they were strong in that. And then I have people who were, did contract law. So they was a contract administrator, then they're niched into that. And I had some people who really liked the science of the building and they moved into passive house. So I would say to you, Based on your degree, what modules really were you interested in strong or you felt I could do this further and niche down? And I know it may sound, oh, my gosh, I don't want to put myself too away from the crowd. But actually, now in the market, a lot of professionals now or directors are really interested in people who know something really well and have an expertise in something because it adds a value or strand to the whole project in terms of the building. So I would advise people to niche down on one particular area, whether it's thermal bridging, whether it's passive housing, sustainability, niche down, whether it's about, what's that, I can't pronounce that. That word, biophilic. Oh, oh, you're you're entering another echelon now. I can't say that with my Welsh accent. But there's different niches, and I would say to anybody, definitely pick a niche and then become an expert in that niche, and I'm telling you, you'll be much more thought of much more received if you're someone who's an architectural technician you've not got a niche but bim that's great but if you can have a niche a particular area you work in it's a good look for you very insightful information here and i appreciate it now a lot of this comes from your experience at the time but equally 
a lot of it comes from what you've learned, I'm guessing, in terms of recruitment, because like me, Vanessa, you fell into recruitment. No one really plans to go into recruitment. I certainly didn't. I don't know about yourself. You fall into it by accident. And however, you can learn a lot of stuff because you get to yeah. see practices from the sideline and certain things. Can you walk me through what that was like in terms of recruitment, what you've learned from the process, which now informs what you do in terms of career consulting? Yeah, so <clears throat> I learned through the process that a lot of the successes were happening because whoever was interviewing you felt that you can join the team. Mm. So the fact that you've got an interview your CV has passed the mark, whatever those credentials, whatever the experiences you've had, you've, that's been ticked. Yeah. On the inside, you learn that actually the person you're interviewing, it's really about your personality. It's really about whether you can fit in their team or their structure and whether they can see you in another meeting with them. So I would always advise people in terms of the interview, if there's anything I've learned through hiring well me hiring but recruiting those and matching people up really well is your personality when you get in the interview your personality must shine and ensure that you're always interested in what's currently going ensuring that you are talking about where this business is in terms of their projects what it would involve you can find out certain information but definitely the key is your personality very insightful and i agree with you i think an interview and the whole point of actually getting the job really is to fill a need in the business. And part of the role in the interview is to convince the other person that you can fulfill that need in yeah. the business. And you'll find that a lot of the candidates, they're really scared. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. You might have to present your portfolio once again and talk through the projects, but a lot of them get scared because they think they've not yet qualified, but actually from you have the interview, you partially qualified. It's really about that human connection and the one-to-one -one connection I always direct my candidates to really show that they can be themselves and so I work with them on that well done no it really makes a lot of sense in terms of the interview now you touched briefly on there at the start about if you've got an interview then the CV's done its job to get you through the door yeah. now can, if we can focus on the CV for a quick second because what I love is because I do a, I talk a lot about architecture CVs or more of what's an architectural assistant or an architect's typical yeah. CV and portfolio but what I love here is that there's there it, there's a few differences aren't there of what's going to be on an architectural technology CV or a BIM coordinator as a CV compared and, and often because an architect will spend a lot of time on a portfolio but an architectural technologist portfolio can be very different it's half the time it's a set of drawings and that's great but can you walk through first of all what you've learned works quite well in loosely in terms of a CV and then if a portfolio is needed cool so cv loosely what works really well what happened real good thing because it's like a because with the cv obviously it's individuality they take yeah. into account how many kind of softwares what softwares your competency of software that's a huge thing yeah and definitely attention to detail because from the jump as an architectural technologist you'll be doing a lot of detailing <laughs> so yeah you, know, you don't want that typo way it it can it can be a thing um but also i found which is interesting is there's a sort of standard way of layering out your cv sometimes it's okay to actually put your experience first rather than your qualifications because yeah. a lot of the time when i've been hiring and i've had a quite a few contracts they i've had conversations with just phone calls a lot of the time they really want to understand what projects you've worked on <clears throat> how you've used your skills yeah. and so if the experience part of your cv i wholeheartedly say go fat on that go fat on that but structure it in a way in which you can get some, some form of concise consistency or conciseness in the layout but i definitely i've learned that they are big on what you've done in that experience that you've had if you've had those experiences it makes sense. Well, thank you for sharing that. So I agree. Attention to detail is key. The CV and portfolio should be the most important document of yourself because it's your career. It's you, isn't it? And I think that while I'm not too worried about a typo, 
sometimes people who are reading the CV can be put off. And that would be a shame if it doesn't get you through the door. So thank you for sharing that. And I know you do a lot of career coaching. And we're going to talk about where people can find you. LinkedIn, first place to check. But, yeah, but just before we do that, while I got you, I want to talk about things in the wider world as well. Because so since you've done recruitment, you now do a bit of career coaching. And equally as well, you're involved in a lot of EDI issues in the industry. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts because there's two things that's going through my mind as well. The construction industry, the built environment industry, predominantly before has more men than females, first and foremost. But then equally, you're proudly as well a black woman in the construction industry, which is amazing as well. From your perspective, what's it been like being in in a minority going through the industry what's your has it gone better in the years you've done it or do you think there's still a lot of work to do yeah yeah when i was working a lot of the time i I didn't see much of people my same that there were some practices where there was like literally two women it was me and we all kind of gravitated as soon as possible because we're like you know what i mean so there's a two sides to it but as a woman it's nice when we are in an, an environment, our practice, and there's other women because we can have those relationships, which is really important for women, just, just generally saying. <laughs> there's been definitely growth in that, definitely 100%. In terms of me and the colour of my skin, I feel there's still more things to do. So yeah. I'm part of the NAWIC, which is for women in construction, which that's really I'm passionate about now. And so I'm working with these groups of women just to create an environment where women can collaborate with other professionals within this industry. I've witnessed different things because a lot of them are male orientated. And so I've seen a development and it has improved. I must say that I still think there's still more time to go. And I remember in my early experience, because I first started doing interior design just to dabble in. And I met, I went to this meeting and it was full of women. I can't remember what it was to save my life. But it was very impactful. So I think we still need to continue to have groups of women that are supporting and influencing those girls, the younger women. In terms of ethnicity, I definitely think we need to ensure that we're getting an inclusive type of environment. Because a lot of the time, it's yes, we get there. But how do we stay there? And a lot of the environments I've worked personally, I've part of not staying there has been the fact of my social space with my colleagues. I spend half my day, most of my my time with you rather than my family. So with that being said, you've got to have those interpersonal relationships and that's really key. And I think there's still more growth to be had, but definitely it's been positive moving forward. I think. I agree. I think it's going in the right direction as a young Welsh gay man myself before it felt like I was the only gay in the village. Now there's a lot more. It's going in the right way. It's definitely going in the right way. Now changing the subject slightly from going back to before. David James says, CVs always need updating and never ending work. I tell you, folks, David, <laughs> I feel your pain, but you're right. As we go on, so does that CV. And half the art form can be condensing it a little bit as well. Now, Vanessa, we're going to tell everyone where they can find you. You can find you on LinkedIn, a few other things. Before that, though, I like to flip it around, okay? Because I've been asking you lots of questions. And you can ask me, if you'd like, one or two questions, whatever comes to mind. And we've met before. uh, We haven't scripted this. You can ask me whatever's on your mind. So whatever (laughs) comes. We're doing this spontaneously. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you can put me in this in. In the firing line, if you want. But I'm actually that... going to share something that I explored. And I want to know if you agree or think it's true or, or either or. So okay. I've actually learned that in your, on your CV, you actually don't have to share all of your jobs on the CV. Correct. Yeah. yeah I think all of them. It, de- it, de- it depends. If you haven't got many jobs because you're early in your career, then yeah. half of it's about building up the one or two that it's... you're like, oh. Need to build a page kind of How thing. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm not against it. Or oh, the other thing is that I think it's important to say it depends. If you're at the end of your career, maybe you have a job for a long time, you will talk about that yeah. above more. So sometimes directors say now, let's be like hypothetical. So if I was like the 
director of Stephen Drew Architects or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how good the quality of work would be, but let's pretend I was there. Then I and I was there for 20 years. I might talk about that more, but yeah. I wouldn't talk about when I was a part one of the EPR architects because it's a bit like it was from ages ago. Yeah. And I think that you know it's okay to focus on two or three of your most recent jobs and then summarize the bottom and oh for example say now when you start in your career you've been contracting here or there you might bunch them up a little bit and focus mm -hmm. on another role so i think it's okay over a length of time and i think that you should you should selectively edit things yeah. half of it when you go on with your career i think the next is editing isn't it and i think that no one likes a cv which is bumming 20 to 30 pages long a cv should be two pages three pages yeah. maximum yeah. and the portfolio can expand upon that no one wants to look at a seven page cv they just get bored in my opinion what do you think definitely i agree so i think the nugget here which i wanted to say this because a lot of people don't know you don't necessarily have to share every single job that you've gone to yeah. when a cv is is a marketing tool it's a space where you're presenting to them look what i've done in the past which is relevant to what you need right now so yeah. just to, a lot of my candidates are like oh my gosh they've given me everything and i'm like you actually these three jobs or these two jobs were huge they were impactful you spent how many years on it and i think it's relevant to the position just so you know you don't need to have all of your jobs on the cv but not everyone knows. So I thought that would be great for everyone to kind of. I agree. It's and again, think about the first project you've done in university. You did it a while ago. It wasn't the best one. Why are people still putting it in? Smooth it all over. It's on your most recent greatest project. You're you and chances are the job that you're currently in. Usually, not always. However, usually, yeah. you've done more responsibility. It's probably a bigger project, and therefore, it's the one to focus on. Francis yeah. agrees that it's a really interesting point for the CV and portfolio that is good to know. But B, any other questions? We can do a few if you want. It can be. <laughs> you put me in the spot, Steve. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nothing's come to light, but I'll butt in if you want me to. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So maybe we can do it. I tell you what, I'll do really quickly because we've got one or two minutes before we go. So I'll give you my top rundowns of what I think is important in a CV and portfolio. Right. And then you can give me yours. We can do top five and we can, you know, I, if I, because I've gone first, if I'm stealing all the good ones, you can still say them. So number no. one on the CV, which I think is so important, is you touched upon it first and foremost, is actually spell checking the thing. It takes one minute, but when you're writing the document, you're in the zone. If you're anything like me, there's going to be typos all over the place. And what also when you reread the document, because you understand what you mean, your brain doesn't pick up the typo. So you've got to give it to someone else to show. That's number one. The second one I think is it's important to do good graphic design, clean, minimal, if in doubt. I wouldn't go too crazy one way or the other. No one wants like a big, colorful black background that's going to cost loads to print and stuff. I think something clean, elegant, white backgrounds are probably a good starting point. And the third bit that I always say is, as which you touched upon beautifully, is editing things down because no one wants a big essay. And oh yeah, the last one that I think always people forget about is that they do a CV and they save it and they go, Stephen Drew's CV version one, 2020. And then it's like, you're gonna send that piece of rubbish out. You gotta name it properly. Everyone forgets that. Oh, they export it in a million resolution and then it gets clogs up people's inboxes. So you've got to get the balance. Well, but, I'm gonna go I'm on. gonna jump off to the portfolio. Right? Oh my gosh. This one I I've got to tell you. On your portfolio, make sure, especially if you're showing construction drawings or any detail drawings, you can read the annotations actual details oh yes please um it's imperative because you're not just showing the image you're showing that you can understand the layers of materials that is needed to put this together so make sure the text is actually readable on your portfolio when you're doing your drawings okay obviously that's more architectural technology rather than architecture because we do more concepts with the architects doesn't it <laughs> 
exactly. yeah, make sure you can read the text of the portfolio. If you're going to do any construction drawings, you can just give them the actual, if you have permission, you can do the actual PDF. You don't necessarily have to shrink it down and yeah, mess around with it. It's not a presentation. It's actually your example, a sample of your work. So make sure you can read it. Make sure that the resolution is clean and, and precise. Um, I'm, I'm moving more of the architectural technology. Sorry, but it's what it is. Again, it's useful. You had the CV about it being the clean cut color. What usually is great with, I, I felt, is if you have a dial about the particular softwares, like yeah. how strong or weak or whatever, that's great. That's always good. Always put in your softwares. Always put in your extra certifications, short courses. Always put that in there. Another tip would be do your research on the role. And by doing your research on your role, you will understand what is required and then you would be able to understand oh have i done this before and make sure that somewhere in your experience is demonstrated if it's not in the cv definitely demonstrate that in your portfolio the whole point of this material is to show what you can do okay i think that's another tip again i think those basic ones you said steve you've stolen them to be honest. I did. I went first. That wasn't very gentlemanly. The portfolio and the graphics and seeing the text. I don't know. I, I can't get enough of that. Honestly, I cannot get enough. Make sure that is absolute. I want to see the 20, 25 millimeter text. <laughs> That's right. It, you got to be able to read it. I think it's so important. We, our jobs have been made easier because we've had one or two people that have and put in a few comments as well. So Sonda says, I've had this conversation with someone and asked them, how long is your portfolio? And they said 60 pages. And I said, it's not a design and access statement. Portfolios should be 20 pages or less and CV three pages max. I totally agree. I think that's a really good guideline point. It can be less than 20, maybe 21 and the max. However, that's a really good rule of thumb on the portfolio. If you haven't got your point across in 20 pages, you almost risk the chance that you're going to lose people because they're going to go on further and get not that impressed with it. Vanessa, you had a point to yeah, say that. Steve, tell me, share with us. I have my views, but I just want to see what your views are. Yeah, yeah. What's your views? A little bit touching on this portfolio stuff. Yeah. With sharing your portfolio online. Yeah. And having it in a PDF. Because when you have it online, you can have more control. But what's Do your you mean like a website, Vanessa? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I just said online. However, you. Oh, okay. Oh, you've really opened up the Pandora's box. It's. Yeah. I think that I'm always cynical, and that's the key yeah. word I'd say, of how the person is going to view the document, how much time they're going to have, how much restrictions. So, where I'm going with this is that. A lot of companies I've worked with on recruitment want the CV, the portfolio. And if it's not there, they don't see it. And so I've said, met a lot of people with these beautiful websites. Amazing. And sometimes they get, don't get looked at. However, sometimes, especially more in the BIM digital world, where the employers are more open to this stuff because they're quite techy, sometimes they will look at that website. So my view is that, this the CV and portfolio should stand on its own. However, it's okay to still have a website if you want or a QR code. But as long as you realize that there's a chance that they might not get there. So you can have your beautiful website that is probably good for your own personal brand, anyways. A lot of companies though will still want a PDF. Or even worse, some companies still print out portfolios. All these trees that are getting <laughs> cut down. I'd like to look at them digitally. However, when you're printing, it goes back to what you talked about, Vanessa. Are the drawings going to come out okay? Are they smudged? How is this PDF? So we've got a lot of restrictions. So my view is conquer the PDF, just get that done. And then if you want to do the cool extra stuff, do it for yourself. Be proud of it. Maybe you can even show it in the interview. You just can't rely on it. Does that make sense, though? Is that useful? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And I find that so interesting because um, especially those that are job seeking. Because remember, you, you did touch on personal branding. Mm -hmm. And a lot of advice is have your portfolio online, make sure it's accessible and 
people can check you out and, and so on. So I would hone it back and think about what it is that you want to accomplish to make that decision whether or not to have a website or go online. Because are you a leading profession, i.e. a sustainability consultant, but have those projects as evidence, then you may decide to have a website. But if, or a director, you may or may not, it depends upon you, your profession, your niche, and all of those things. It's not a paintbrush effect. That's what I feel. Um, I agree. I yeah. think some people have their stuff online and I think it's great. But you have those portfolio books where you go through. That's fantastic. That's great. But again, it's dependent upon what you're trying to accomplish and who you're trying to get a job for and what position. The higher level you are, the probably the less you'll need a website necessarily. But again, it depends on your profession, i.e. if you're a project manager, you're not really going to need a website, are you? So mm. it depends on your position. I personally say, and I agree with you, definitely you're in the construction industry and you deal with the drawings, you deal with illustration or presentations or anything like that, or showing the project that you've worked on, definitely have the PDF. That is your bread and butter. So I concur with you there, Stephen. In terms of online, it's an extra bonus. It's great. Unless you're actually leading a movement, uh, yeah oh yeah being a leader again that will divert more into personal branding then yeah definitely go for it do you understand so it, it's good but i think the key thing i wanted everyone to hear is the fact of timing so when mm. recruiters or directors remember you're not just the only person they might be looking at so ensuring that you've caught their eye and consistency pdf will secure that yeah having even though you may think it's a link or a click it's a diversion and unless you're doing graphics design, then obviously stay in that field and show that. So I kind of varies, but I wanted to think you hit on the now. <laughs> there we go. That I, I I've been talking I've been talking about it for too many years, Vanessa. So don't worry. I think it'll end up on my tombstone. How many CV pages should be in a CVM portfolio? But don't worry. There's a lot. There's a lot of worse things you can get known for. While we were speaking, Sonda laughed about his naming conventions on the PDF files, saying he used to put a CV. Title one for a recruiter, oh, one called CV2. Now, don't don't worry, son, that you've learned your lesson. It's all good. It's yes. all about improving. I think if anyone has a doubt, good to do your name with dash CV and portfolio. That's enough. No? That's it. Simple. That, that's fine. Keep it clean. Francis says, I always work on my portfolio in my spare time. I always thought it was important to improve and show the knowledge I've acquired. Well done, Francis. I completely yep. agree. Yep. It's also can be quite rewarding. And equally, if you do it a little bit at the time, then say now that there's a shift in the current company you are or whatever, yeah, it's not such a panic that you have to update a lot of work. So mm. I think it's good to keep it in the background unless, for example, you're the business owner and then hopefully... If the business goes down, so do you too. And yeah, you will be updating that CV. But he also says, Francis says, he's curious. He asks us a question. Okay, Vanessa, we've got oh, to concentrate. God, My goodness, I've got to think. This is, I'm curious if showcasing the work stages rather than the final product is equally important. I believe in demonstrating skills right from the start of the project is often crucial than highlighting the ultimate end result, considering the current perspective. Ooh, interesting. My thoughts on this are, if we fit, I'm going to think about it in terms of the RBA stages. Mm. It's very good in a portfolio to showcase a full breadth of experience and skill sets. So, for example, what I would say, Francis, if everything was front-end that you had in your portfolio, you're in danger of the perception is that you're geared towards front-end, not, right. not technical. I'd like to see a flow of it. So you may be your most recent project. If you've done all RBA stages, it might be quite good to show the planning, the technical, a few images of construction. And therefore that I understand as an architect that you've done old, old stages. Right, uh, right. You might want to showcase certain aspects of stages more on other projects. You can use that as your discretion. However, what I've learned from in terms of recruitment, usually the experience which is more sought after is less design is usually technical and construction with a right, bit of design. Right, right. So mm. Francis, I recommend that you cover all stages, especially on, on your most recent project, if possible. I think it's crucial to show an overview. But equally, like you said, it's good to show the overview of the process rather than the ultimate result. 
and I wouldn't yeah. show the front, I wouldn't show the end. So that's what I would do. But Vanessa, do you have a thought on that? Would you showcase the? I think that really works with architectures, but within BIM, yeah. you can do two different ways. So mm. if you're a BIM manager, information manager, you don't necessarily have to do the whole flow, right? Right. So the projects I've worked on, the 3D model and certain areas like that. Whereas if you're architectural technology, again, we don't want to see the concepts or the design part. We want to see the construction drawings. So the drawings that were issued out or technical areas. So maybe you was working on a staircase. So we want to see the details for that. That could even be a niche of yours. I'm telling you, the niche thing is a good thing. So I think for the portfolio in terms of the technical architectural technologist, BIM, it would vary. It's okay to show the final product in BIM, but if you are more of a BIM coordinator and working as architect technician, you must show the technical side. It's, it's, and we don't need the beginning and we don't need the end. We just need to show your competence. So I think when you said, I believe demonstrating the skills, that's obviously what we want to see. And that's where the creme is. So yeah, you're spot on, well done. Yeah, spot on. That, wow, what a fantastic perspective. So thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Sonda actually agrees that for BIM, Vanessa is bang on the money. Brilliant. And that's why people should get in contact with you about it, which we will touch on in a minute. Now, just before we go, I'll do a quick speed run where Andre says, what about the format? Should it be for landscape for CV and portfolio? What I would say, Andre, is don't worry too much about should it be landscape? Should Does it need to be free pages? The advice that we're giving here is, is indicative of what we are thinking. However, you can deviate from it a bit. I tend to think that CV should be portfolio and that a portfolio is probably going to be landscape. However, you might make it a way that works. These are typically how I see them working, but it doesn't mean you can't experiment. If in doubt, though, go with what people mostly do, which is portrait for CV and landscape for portfolio. I've got a question, Steve. Okay, go on. Very short and quick. Yep. Is it okay? This is a yep. thing that I've picked up. Is it okay to have your CV and portfolio in one document? Or as like oh. a... Well, we so, got the... We it's, go, like, like, it's almost like a storyline. Is it okay? Well, it's controversial. So as we have a mutual friend and colleague, Hannah Funnel, she prefers them together. I prefer them separate. Now, there, I... <laughs> so like this, or even like the way you said this, we're all... Everyone has different perspectives. There's no wrong answer. If a good CV and portfolio, which covers the basics of the CV really well and goes into a portfolio and it flows together, would right. I? is that good? Yes, I think great. Right. Maybe the drawings are really big or like you said, you know, you're an architectural technologist. Do you really need to spend a lot of time graphic design in the portfolio? Uh, would it make sense a small page and then big drawings? No, separate. So I like to use it case by case. I yeah. think that you just have to be like, how does my portfolio look? How does my CV? Should I separate them or put them together? Maybe you're one of those creative people that makes it flow through and, and that can be okay too. But yeah. so, so that's my thought. It's I'm not giving you one answer or the other. I'm saying it's okay. It can be either, basically. That's, that's the point that we're trying to make as well for uh, Andre or Andrea. Sorry if I've got the name wrong. But the point is, is there's no right or wrong. It's about what's applicable because, again, it might work that CV or it might work portfolio and CV. Again, if you're an interior designer, it might be more advantage to have them together because, yeah, like, yeah, you know, exactly. It depends on your profession. And so, us saying what format to landscape or, or portrait, it, it's really dependent on your profession. But ultimately, it must be able to communicate your skills. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree more. So we're, we're running out of time, but questions are coming in. We'll do a quick speed round. Jordan Harris says, one big issue with digital portfolios is device optimization, phone versus laptop and screen. I agree. The amount of directors I know will open up something yeah, on, their seat, on their mobile phone and a taxi, it crashes out, all that stuff. You're right. You have to factor these things in. And the last question I'll be on here is a big one, which I'm going to condense, which says, what's the difference between a portfolio, between a project architect or a more senior position leading to an associate? And what should be highlighted the most to be considered senior? Well, senior architects are an industry title where 
it's not a legal title. As the ARB basically says the legal title is architect. Then you've got project architect in some companies, senior architect in other companies. So it means different to different places. I do think you could put senior architect on your CV. But a what's the difference in the portfolio between a project architect and the senior architect leading to an associate? Good question. When you're an associate, your career is going to, you've probably done five, 10 years to get where you are. It's going to be very intricate. A lot of the videos that I do online are more general towards students or an architect in their career. It's very nuanced the further you get in your career. And that might be the point where actually you do seek out a career consultant, which I can do, but also Vanessa can do. And on that point, Vanessa, you are around, you are available to help. So if someone's got a niche example, a bit like the anonymous gentleman before, where he's thinking, my goodness, how do I dissect my 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 career and work things out? What do you do, Vanessa? Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can shoot me on there, on the LinkedIn that was up there, just click it and then book a consultation with me on my page. And then we can have a one-to-one -one conversation and I can support you in moving forward and getting that job that you want. Um, I'm super excited. It gives me a buzz and I'm just, I'm for you when it comes to you getting a job because I'm like that. <laughs> but yeah, let's do that. If that's something that you want or interested in, then shoot me there. I agree. I'm one over. So Vanessa, your task in between career coaching is to get me up to date on BIM. I haven't done it for 2014, so you got your work cut out for you. All jokes aside, though, do get in contact with Vanessa. Hopefully, this will give you an understanding of her thoughts and experience. And I love the fact that she's worked in industry. Like myself, I do think it really helps, especially when it comes to career coaching. It is good to have advice from someone that's been there and done it, messed up the BIM model, and also can <laughs> offer you advice on your career. So get in contact with Vanessa. And thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Vanessa, thank you for being here as well. Stay on the stage one second. I'm going to end the live stream in a minute. But for you that tuned in and answered, asked all these questions, it really makes this much more fun for me and, and I'm sure for Vanessa as well. Do get in touch with her. And equally, if you want to have a look at some of the resources on the architecturesocial.com, do check them out. I will put a link there for Vanessa as well if you want to get in contact with her. And uh, yeah, there'll be more content coming soon. I'm not too sure what I've got scheduled, but I know there's some cool stuff coming. So I will update you as soon as possible on that. Have a lovely Friday and stay in touch. I'm going to end Thanks the live stream time. right now. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care.